The following discussion is not necessarily the views of all involved. The goal is to start open and honest discussion in the Christian worldview. Like all things, weigh what you hear with what you know and join us in our pursuit for the truth. Enjoy the podcast. This family of degenerates is back haunting this city. Colton and I just did a crisp high five. Again, you're lying. Live! No, this is getting recorded. You know no one's listening right now, right? Well, here's the thing. What we say are just concepts. Shut up. (laughs) And we mentioned that in the last episode. We did. That's where I heard. That's how educational this podcast is. I learn things from it. It's just embarrassing. All right. I'd like to welcome everyone to the Second Rate Saints podcast. I'm Caleb, and to my left is... I'm Joel, and to my left is... I am Colton, and to my left is... Joshua. And we're back around to me. Joel, tell us about some of the stuff we offer online. Yeah, so uh, for our social medias lately, we've been trying to be more active online, uh, posting more frequently, and uh, interacting a lot more with uh, fan input, right? We want to start Christian conversation um, in the Christian worldview. Or, sorry, what is it? That that is it. Yeah. Conversation in the Christian Christian worldview. worldview. Yeah, that's our whole thing, right? So we'd really appreciate it if you reached out to us on our Instagram or or email at secondratesaints at gmail.com. I'm working. We got recommended a sermon to read. I'm in the middle of reading that. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. You said it. you were going to send me a copy. It is in the email. You can look it up. It's in the mail right now. <laughs> do you, you want to send me a copy? Yeah, I can do that. Thanks, man. No problem. <laughs> With that fun little aside, remember to check us out on YouTube and on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere that you find podcasts. Um, yeah. Let's get into our stuff. Yeah. Joel. Oh, I'm also in charge of that topic. I'm doing the what have you read for this week. Yeah. Joel, um, what have you read? Uh, thanks for asking, Josh. I, was, I, I didn't think anyone was going to bring it up. Um, so I was, I was blessed with the opportunity to be asked that I had to read this. <laughs> I had to read this book for a class. Um, it's called Power and Weakness by Timothy G. Gombus. And it is all about deconstruct, not deconstructing, that's not the right word, understanding Paul's reimagination of ministry. That's how he frames it, right? So he begins with Paul's conversion, um, then he goes through his cosmic worldview, then he goes through his belief and teaching, and um, then then some other stuff that I kind of disagree with. So I'm just going to go quickly through the chapters. I'm not going to read every one, but... He, he talks about, obviously, his unconverted ministry beforehand when he was a Pharisee, and then he talks a little bit about how that changed um, with a, a Christophany, which I believe in last week's episode we brought up what a Christophany yep. was, and this whole thing is that Christ appearing to Paul so radically changed his idea of how he viewed people and how he viewed teaching and how he viewed preaching that Paul considers everything from before foolishness, right? Scubala is garbage, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, for our Greek scholars. <laughs> human you refuse. Human refuse, exactly. Yep. Right, so it is just the theme of power and weakness hmm. from Second Corinthians. From Second Corinthians, but it's all over Paul's stuff. Yeah, um, for about two hundred pages. <laughs> right, hmm. so it, it's not a bad read. I would recommend it for anybody who is going into active ministry, but also really likes exegesis because um, he tries to tie it back to the life of Paul as much as possible. He focuses on the author way more than um, most other pastoral books I've read. Like I've that. read a little bit of Timothy Keller. I've read a little bit of um, Rich Vallados. Um, I don't know. I might bring that up. Deeply Formed Life is a big one of his. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this one stood out in the way that it respected the author, right? If we're going to talk about hermene- hermeneutically. Um, okay. Yeah. 
Oh, I don't you know specifically you, what to talk about. You mentioned something that you dislike about it. So far, everything you've mentioned that I like. See, I'm kind of trying to walk around that a little bit, but he does have... There's there's a bit of a, a dispute going on right now in, in pastoral leadership and, and advice books um, that education does not matter. It's, mm. it's not a great take. I don't think it's supported well by Scripture. The thing that Gombus tries to do, and he ties it back into another book by a guy... I should have looked up before we started, but either way, yeah, he ties it back into M-divification or something. Mm. The, I think he calls it the M-divide or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's a book talking about how um, M-divs, uh, any kind of masters in theology, actually separates. It's an ivory tower aspect, right? Yep. <clears throat> oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm not as so, eloquent with how I'm... How I'm okay. Oh, yeah. Processing this. I don't usually do what have you read, so we'll see how this <laughs> one goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, then let me ask you a question. Um, so, more so in my denomination, mm-hmm. we require MDivs to be yeah. lead pastors of a church, ordained as a pastor of a congregation. You can be a youth pastor, mm-hmm. but like if you preach stuff like that, your sermon has to be evaluated by the actual ordained pastor there. Yeah. And okayed by him. And one of the things that we value is, is that like the, the lead pastor has the MDiv, but like in my church specifically, the volunteer basis of the church is like 70% of the church is doing ministry. Yeah. But the pastor is shepherding them in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that in my denomination, even though we demand an MDiv, that the majority of the work done mm-hmm. by the church, the ministry done by the church, is done by the uneducated. Yeah. Which is an interesting... Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not even sure what yeah. denomination uh, Gombus is from, but mm-hmm. he's become incredibly popular with uh, Pentecostal non-denominational circles. Yeah. Just because he, he has a couple of really catchy phrases that really mm. it got me for sure. One is leading from a position of cruciformity. Mm. He uses cruciformity as like a, a theme of that is how you maintain a position of weakness, right? While still being useful in a way. You want you to know? break that down? It's moral influence theory a little bit. <laughs> but not for, for, not for a thing of atonement. Back. Not for nothing to do with atonement. Nothing to do for with atonement, but he does say like that Paul, in his imitation of Christ, desired to be a servant and a slave of those he yes. ministered to. Yeah. Right? So when he says leading from a place of cruciformity, he desires the discomfort of Christ as well as the discourse of Paul, right? Mm-hmm. This whole thing where he's back and forth. He uh, accepts teaching, but he doesn't accept teaching without experience kind of a thing, or teaching without mm. humility. Yeah, yeah. I'm leading uh, a Bible study on Corinthians, and we're in chapter 9 right now, which is on... Mm-hmm. Um, First Corinthians? First Corinthians chapter 9. First Corinthians chapter 8 is the classic, should we eat meat sacrificed by idols, mm-hmm. for idols? And then in chapter 9, he gets into the giving up of your personal freedoms for the sake of the gospel. And then into chapter 10 is do everything to the glory of God. Yeah. And all three of those chapters are actually one argument, which uh, which I think is fun. But one of the things Paul gets into is to the Jew, I become a Jew. Mm-hmm. I live as a Jew to win over the Jew. Yeah. To the to the to those under the law, I, be, I live under the law yeah. to save those under the law. To those who are not under the law, I live under the law, but mm-hmm. not at, but still under the law of Christ mm-hmm. to save those. Mm-hmm. And basically like, he sacrifices his desires, his mm-hmm. 
his wants, his one of the things he talks about is uh, he doesn't take a wife. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take money from the church so that he can win more and more over yeah. to Christ. And that he, he lives in that weakness, mm-hmm. as the title kind of claims. Yeah. And that's the power of the gospel Paul preaches. Now, you are right, Caleb, and... No, I'm sorry. I'm switching back to Caleb's mm-hmm. comment about the the MDiv stuff, yeah, um, or any kind of master's education. You do find slightly more anti-intellectualism in Pentecostal mm. and non-denominational circles. Don't know exactly why that is. Um, I think it's just that sense of otherness th- um, from other denominations. I think it also stems from the vast majority of those movements begin with a rejection from MDivs telling them that they're wrong. Yeah, yeah, that could absolutely be it. Um, I found myself kind of thinking about something we said way early on in the podcast, and that's the Da Vinci Code should not be your greatest challenge to faith. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's the result of it. If you have a consistently uneducated church community, mm. um, say somebody in your church has a real struggle with yeah. angels and demons or uh, the Da Vinci mm. Code or, or whatever. Angels and Demons is a movie, by the way. <laughs> not yes. just Angels and Demons, which yeah. also you should go to the faster about. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah if, you're, if you're having trouble with Angels and Demons, that's not a normal problem and you should be seeking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you should be looking to the pastor for sure. Um, Hopefully he has an MDiv. No. But there <laughs> should be. Yeah, there we go. Our master's in exorcism. Awesome. There you go. I think the Catholics do something about that, but I don't I don't really know. Just, just to be clear, MDiv is Masters of Divinity, right? Yes, that's yeah. Correct. Yeah, so there should be somebody in place as an authority on matters, even like church history, Yeah. right, um, where culture may put it slightly askew, um, and you should be read up on topics well enough to maybe not have an answer, but have a reasonable resource. Yeah, we're getting into some super cool topics, because mm-hmm. this is the backbone mm-hmm. for should an educated, should a position of authority within the church necessitate education or God's calling? The answers for most places have been both. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the of contradiction course. of that is what happens if the person gets called but they don't have the education? Mm-hmm. The answer our church would be then get educated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do some Christians have more authority in matters of doctrine and biblical interpretation than others? Then you're getting way into the uh, background <laughs> of... Yeah, anyway, those are questions mm-hmm. I love. <laughs> yeah. But... Yeah, Gomez. It looks co- honestly. The cover looks cool. <laughs> the but cover is, is but, pretty but nice. I do want to stress though that like this is funny because now I'm arguing the opposite point. But like kind of what I said earlier is yes, you need that person that's educated that knows. You need the body that has done the work that yeah. studies that is able to read scripture. But the majority of what God has done on this planet has been through the uneducated. Yes. Yeah. Has been but through education the begins body. with the uneducated. No, no, no. There what? was no such thing. None of us would have mm-hmm. existed a hundred years ago as yeah. a as having a degree in Pentecostal theology of any kind. We would never have a Pentecostal book yeah. to talk about. Yeah. Um, just based off of the fact our tradition's not that old, and we need to develop firm theologies mm-hmm. when we can, when we actually have theologians who yeah. write. No, I just mean that. Yeah. Um, the majority of like the the ministry work of the like the after church caretaker that mm-hmm. cleans up for people the the random conversations at the mall yeah. somebody you've never met and it's you know just a single mother who goes oh, yeah. to a Bible study every once in a while mm-hmm. yeah. right and how many people have they saved yeah 
the, the people that don't have the masters. Sure. But that's why if you're just the average yeah. Christian, you you yeah. could be making an impact without yeah. knowing it. And in fact, yeah. the majority of you yeah. are uh, yeah. the majority of God's work is in the ordinary and the mundane. It's not pastors who save people necessarily. Not yeah. just pastors, I should say. Yeah. But pastors are at least in some part responsible for making sure they don't stay there. Absolutely. Right? There is and not all discipleship is done by the pastor either. Yes. Your pastor's not necessarily the lead disciple. Mm-hmm. But if no one else is the lead disciple, he has to be. Right? Like yeah. that's the thing. The, the, is, uh, yeah, the danger with having no educated people say in your leadership of your church, if you want to have a church that's like that where they're not necessarily the uh, lead disciple's not fair, but a one of the disciplers mm-hmm. in charge, the shepherds. Yeah. Um, if there's no education in your church, you are you are running on very weak foundation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only that, you're running on the hope that God will guide them, which is good, but there's nothing else. Not only that, you refuse to become educated to reach the educated. Yes. Yeah. Which is yeah. funny. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, we've got. I get calls every once in a while from uh, friends that I have that are working in, in youth group scenarios and they have kids that are watching through YouTube content that's maybe not as reputable as our own. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Um, and they're having legitimate challenges to faith mm-hmm. that they bring to unequipped youth leaders. Yeah. Um, and we need a chain of command that you'd be like, okay, well yeah. maybe check that out with pastor. What's his name or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what I did as a child. I, I asked the lead pastor so many questions, and he's like, you know what, I'll have to get back to you. Yep. And I had about three or four Sundays there where I would ask him a question every Sunday that he'd have to study and get back to me, right? Yeah, totally. And that was a big part of my mentorship growing up, knowing that you could learn more about Scripture. Um, yeah. And that you didn't always have to walk blindly into leadership positions expecting that when you get there, you're going to be ready, right? Yeah. And then you can have some hope yeah. in the work you've already put have, into the process. Have faith that God will provide you the, the moments and the words and the stuff mm-hmm. as you promised. But also a lot of the times that's through like we're commanded to read the word, study yeah. it. Be ready in and out of season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's honestly all I've got to say about the book. Um, it's not as argumentative as our typical stuff. It's not a debate. It's, right. it's a leadership um, instruction. So if that's something you're looking for, if that's something you need in your, in your uh, church life or whatever situation you might find yourself in, where would they find that on our website? You would find that on book reviews on our main website, secondratesaints.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been trying to put out more and more book reviews. We're refining the page now. I think we're going to do some updates to it in the next bit. little while. But I think about six to eight books just got put up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, more. Uh, on top of what was already there. The dream is to have well-cataloged What If You Reds. Yeah. And we'll yeah. see when that happens in the future. And what we think of each book. With a link to it. Where it is on... Where you can buy it. So one last mention, that's Power and Weakness by Timothy G. Gombas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Find it on our website. Interesting. So this is episode two of our Patriarch series. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and, well, Joseph. 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 We're throwing Joseph in there because it's fun. (laughs) Yes. But Isaac. um, Yes. I got to do Isaac this time. Yes. Um, The smallest amount of literature out of all of the Patriarchs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll start off with a little overview of his life, but I think what we'll do is we'll we'll take we'll take breaks. There's like six main like episodes or events. We'll we'll go over one, take a breath, discuss it, move on to the next. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then afterwards we'll talk about some themes. Can we all take a breath in unison? That'd be really funny. 
No. That would oh, be an audio it? nightmare. Would it be? <laughs> as long as you breathe directly onto the microphone, Josh. Jeez. Oh, so Isaac's life begins at a very young age, right around his birth. <laughs> so, <laughs> how long, how long have you been age? waiting to say that? About 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Genesis 17, it's, his, his birth is kind of, it's brought up with Ishmael, when mm-hmm. Ishmael's born, and then God shows up and he's like, hey, that's not the child I promised you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he shows up from 17.1 to 18.21, and then he kind of shows up in like is recovered when it actually happens in 21, 1 to 24. So being about God's promise, Sarah and Abraham, or Sarah has Abraham sleep with Hagar to produce the child Ishmael. However, God was very clear that Abraham and Sarah would conceive the promised child. After Ishmael's birth, God comes to Abraham and reinstates the promise twice, mm-hmm. first causing Abraham to laugh. That would be in 1717. And the second time causing Sarah to laugh in, in 1812. It's kind of fitting then that his name is actually uh, he, he laughs mm-hmm. based off of that. Is that actually what Isaac means? Yeah. That's funny. It's funny. It makes also, you want to laugh. It makes sense. Wait. What? This. Josh is having a thought in real time. I am having a thought in real time. There's no way to uh, prove what I'm about to say, but I think it's funny. Also, there's the verse in Proverbs where it's uh, uh, men make plans and the Lord laughs. That's funny. Because they make plans to bring it's, about it's the inversion bring, of what's going on. Here, it's the yeah. inversion of what's going on, and he's like, "No, you're still having a kid." Yeah. That wasn't <laughs> my. That wasn't my plan. That's your plan. But no. Yeah, that's funny. He laughs. Yeah. Um, okay. Quick side note on Anyways. Ishmael, because there is like the Isaac Ishmael mm. parallel, mm-hmm. right? Um, after Isaac's birth, uh, Sarah is disgusted and has very jealous of uh, of Hagar and Ishmael. And her, it, it gets intensified to the point where she demands that Abraham exiles them. Mm-hmm. And that's in Genesis 21.10. Uh, Abraham is kind of upset with the whole idea. He struggles with it a bit. And then God kind of is like, okay, well, you know what? Go ahead, do it. I'll protect them. Uh, God further comforts, comforts Abraham by telling them that Isaac, or telling him that Isaac is, is the uh, promised child. However, he will also make a great nation out of Ishmael. Yep. And then you get the whole... Um, Hagar puts Ishmael under mm-hmm. under a bush. Yeah. There's no water. Angel of the Lord comes. That whole thing, mm-hmm. and so that illustrates from what I was gleaning from that is that although when we covered okay, so when we covered Abraham stuff, yeah. it was though he is God is promising and blessing and making a covenant with Abraham specifically. Yep, but it's for the world. Yes, and that is that is a big point, and so I think with Ishmael here. You're seeing that although Ishmael is not the promise, the specific promised covenantal child, mm. God is still through Abraham blessing the world, blessing in this case Ishmael and Hagar. Yes, and um, what's interesting is this will come up in the Joseph story. Mm-hmm. Come in clutch with a God's sovereign plan for Joseph. <laughs> yeah, which which puts an interesting play on the like you chose to do this, blah 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 blah. blah. Really interesting. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Is that what you're talking about? No, it's the the Ishmaelites are the ones that buy Joseph and bring him to Egypt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting that they come in back into Abraham's line. Just pop up for a second, leave. By essentially a third cousin. Yeah. <laughs> not, they're, they're not much. <laughs> yeah. But then how that plays into God's sovereign design over history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, still blending or blurring with uh, Abraham's account. The second little episode with Isaac is the Binding of Isaac. The, yeah. the, the, the video game. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> a little different. The board game? There is a board game. The board game? Yeah, it's based off the video game. Oh, really? oh like so still game. no. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get this eventually. No. Um, without reiterating the entire story, there's just a quick couple quick notes on Isaac's part in it. Um, he asks Abraham, hey, where's what are we doing? I see the wood. There's no there's no sheep or goat or sacrificing. There's no ram. And yep. he's just like, hey, the Lord will provide. So at least halfway up the mountain, yep. Isaac doesn't know. Mm-hmm. However, point two, the text presents Isaac willfully goes along. He doesn't yep. say anything else. Mm-hmm. But he's just kind of like, okay, this is what we're doing. Okay. Yeah. Um, There's a really cool part about that story that I just read in the um, the uh, Resurrection Hope, The Death of Death, The Short yep. Studies of Biblical Theology. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you read that one? No, I've, I've read that section. Yes. Yeah. So he talks about how uh, when Abraham tells the servant to go back, all the verbs he uses for the, the past, present, and future are all we. Yeah. Um, right. We will go up, we will do the sacrifice, and we will come down. I've heard some mm. scholars. Yeah. I've heard some scholars argue that one of the reasons why. Well, you have in Ishmael in the previous thing where, yeah. where uh, God comes to Abraham. It's okay that you kick Hagar and Ishmael out of the camp and yeah. to protect them, but God confirms not just any child of Sarah, which at this point there's only one, and there only was one, mm-hmm. but He specifically says this Isaac, Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. and so God, so. God's promise and indication that this is the covenantal child, Abraham just puts it all on that because yeah. he ex- he expects that he's going to be resurrected or something. Yeah, so that's right. Something's going to happen. Hebrews but, eleven talks about, but that. not just because it's Isaac, but because God has uh, made alive Sarah's womb. That's true. So he has mastery over death, and proven that. And then with all the cases beforehand of Abraham's. Failure to believe in how grand God could be, how powerful God is. At this point, he knows that Isaac is the way of the promise and that God has mastery over life and death. So he believes that yep. in some way the child is going to happen to him. Yeah. Yeah. And to something that Josh has brought up several times, this is the reason why Jacob calls God Isaac's fear, yeah, most likely. We don't know this Isaac. for sure. The fear mm. of Isaac. Yeah. yeah. Um, we don't know that. For sure. But this is the only event in yeah. Isaac's life that would give yeah. credence to right. Jacob yeah. going, oh, yes, the fear of Isaac, God. Yeah. And the, that's, that's in Genesis 31, 42. Yeah. And it's a really, I think it puts in it like a, it helps us see the relationship Isaac has with God. But I don't think it's like a, he's living in terror of him. I think it's he just has a healthy respect of God in the same way that it's the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Beginning of wisdom. Um, I don't think it's a terror thing sense. either, but I think Isaac's life ends on a on a bad note. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna keep yeah. going. Mm-hmm. Um, the next episode where Isaac comes into play again, Abraham shows up a bit. Isaac's, but Abraham's getting pretty old again. Mm-hmm. Isaac again. doesn't <laughs> again for the second time. Abraham is old. 
It, it is mentioned I mean, that several of. times. Yeah. By the way, in case you didn't know, Abraham's old. Well, yeah, his story starts when he's 75 and it's 100 years long. <laughs> um, finding Isaac a wife. It's all in chapter... The finding of Isaac. The finding of Isaac's wife. <laughs> Rebecca! Um, that's all in chapter 24. Um, mm-hmm. Abraham doesn't wish Isaac to marry one of the women of the, the Canaanite women. Yes. Um, maybe a little racist stuff in there. I don't know. Doesn't matter. I don't think that's uh, yeah, fair. Yeah, We're all Semitic people groups. At this point, the Canaanites would still be considered Semitic people. Sure. Yes. But is Abraham? Would, would it be more like Abraham's Abraham? Okay. Yeah, be, I don't know. It's not. The, let's, no, no, no. The, would it be more the, likely that it's uh, the fear that they would bring in their foreign gods? Yes. Yeah. Uh, to you can you can say that, but that that would be superimposed upon the text from later on in in the in the Pentateuch. I think that's the argument given in the law. Oh, in the law, but yeah. you could read that but, back to here. But, yeah. but the argument, but when sense. they go back to marry their own cousins, they bring back their foreign gods too. That's true. So I think it's it's a bloodline ethnic thing. It's not a gods thing. Potentially. Well, not potentially. You can't make the god yeah. argument if they bring idols <laughs> with Jacob's wife. Here's, here's something. Um, he was from Ur, right? Uh, his yes. father was, yes. Yep. Yeah, so all the people from Babylon so are not Semitic. Where he died. Okay. So, and all the people from Canaan, uh, like the Amorites, the Moabites, the blah, 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 they all migrated from Sumer okay. over. That's why the religions tie in. S- still, nevertheless, so, he yeah. doesn't want his son to marry the Absolutely. Canaanites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Do you think that Abraham knew the story of Gilgamesh? I don't see why it wouldn't. I just I just think it's cool that they line up. Okay, weird point, unrelated to Isaac. Do you think Terah, God calls Terah out of Ur. Yes. He ends in Haram, dies. He settles in Haram, dies. Do yep. we think, I say we as in we have a collective mind agreement on everything. Yep. Do you think the same covenantal call that Abraham had was also on Terah, but Terah failed? This is super speculation. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> let me pull, let me pull it up. Um, he's continue talking. Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't want to. He doesn't want his son to marry the Canaanite. So he sends his eldest servant back to Haram. Mm. Haran. 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 Not Haram. That's a Haram different means thing. Bad. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. No. Um, he sends his servant back through a bunch of different stuff. She. He goes to the well. Tells praise to God that hey, woman that brings up water for me and my camels. Blah blah yep. blah blah blah. They exchange gifts. She comes back with with the uh, the servant. Isaac sees Rebecca, mm. fall in love. They go into the tent. They're married. That's code mm-hmm. for they consummated. Mm-hmm. That's that episode. Yep. Nothing really to comment there other than God's massive provision throughout it all. Is the the purpose. Of that story, most likely to parallel with Jacob's returning back to what's her name, Rachel and Leah. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably, but do you, you don't think those are like tied as as in like a literary structure? I don't know, right? Because I mean, they're they're clearly a, a pattern. They're trying to show that these are like the three dudes. Yeah. Or well, even when we get to uh, Isaac lying about his wife. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'll let you get into that. Uh, that one's <laughs> not. Wait, we'll get into it. Yeah, it's maybe just Abraham again. 
I don't think so. I don't okay. Yeah, I don't the, think so. There's, either. there's, uh, I think there's a couple indications why. Do we want to get into it before, um, before we start talking about it? I mean, it's just the next episode that between the two is Isaac and Jacob's birth. Mm. That, that's all it is. Um, so in East. Genesis nineteen nineteen thirty-two, um, Abraham dies. Isaac inherits a huge fortune. Mm. Uh, God promises what God promised to Abraham was now like carrying on with his family, his seed. So now it's now yep. Isaac is the head of that. Abraham did show concern for his other for his other sons by other women. Like he marries a, uh, he marries mm. a, again, um, but he sends them away uh, to prevent jealousy and confrontation. That's in twenty five six, and it, mm. it would appear as though they don't get anywhere near the quote unquote inheritance that Isaac gets. Isaac, however, doesn't have any descendants of his own at this time. At least that's how mm. it appears in the chronology of events. These are probably overlapping at the same time. Um, and so Rebecca is barren. He prays, and God, she gets pregnant. Mm. And they're struggling within, within her. She prays, and then God tells her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall serve the... Sorry, the one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. Esau is born first, mm-hmm. then Jacob. Esau became a hunter who loved the outdoors. Jacob was quieter and civilized. He stayed at home in, fa- in the family tents. That's all in Genesis 25, 20 area. Each of their parents had a favorite. Isaac preferred the older son, um, Esau, and Jacob, uh, not Jacob, and Rebecca preferred Jacob. Now, interestingly, um, and what's the Old Testament scholar? Um... Waltke, yeah. he gets he gets really deep into it with the reason why Isaac, the, the language behind the reason why Isaac liked Esau was simply because of the game that he brought him. I know it's presented in like, ah, he likes him because he brings him game. It seems to be far more intense, and we're going to get more into okay. that in the later end of Isaac's life. Um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Mm-hmm. I think Rebecca does... I, I did a study on... We're going to do a sidestep here, actually, just into Rebecca. Yep. Rebecca does something unlike Rachel and Sarah. Rachel and Sarah, at their times, doubt God. Mm-hmm. Okay? Rebecca doesn't. When there's struggle within her and she's worried about the child, she prays. Right. When her husband, and we'll get more into it later on, when her husband is about to give the, the covenantal promise to the other, to the younger son, unlike what God promised her when she was pregnant, mm-hmm. that the older will serve the younger. Sure, she steps in, but she still has faith, and she is she has, she has, is trying to be obedient to God's message. Mm-hmm. You can say, through deceit, fair enough, but that's there. Yep. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I did, I, did a, I did a study on it and concluded that it was like, Rebecca is often just completely forgotten compared to Rachel and... Sarah, and she seems to be far more... She gets married into a family with a very unique relationship with their God. Yes. And just rolls with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah, right. And the parallels are very interesting. This is another interesting point. Um, in the argument with the Sadducees that Jesus has in the Gospels about resurrection. Mm-hmm. Also from the Resurrection Hope book that I'll probably do a... I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, is he brings up the... They're talking... The Sadducees bring up the, the argument of... How can the resurrection be true if if people are married to multiple people yeah. throughout their life, get resurrected? Who are they married to? Right. And Jesus is like, first of all, marriage, blah. 
whatever. But then he says, have you not read the scriptures? God says in Exodus, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And people often take that as, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, affirming that he still is their God. And that God, he says, I am the God of the living, not of the dead. Jesus says that. He is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And it's like, that's cool. But there is also another interesting relationship between the three patriarchs. They're all married to women who were barren. Mm-hmm. And there's a relationship between marriage in all of them where God brings new life through right. these marriages to, to people that are barren. And God proves that he has power over death in each of those marriages. And it's, yeah, and tying back to Rachel, Sarah, and Rebecca, how all three of them are that. Yeah. They, they're, they're the same, just like the patriarchs, the husbands, mm-hmm. the, the, the females are <laughs> imitations of each other types. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. No, there's definitely uh, the editor of Genesis, author, editor, multiple, whatever. Yep. We don't want to have to get into Wherever you land. Yeah. Um, clearly wants you to understand them as paralleling one another, mm-hmm. compounding. Yeah. Um, and that maybe more specifically, and I think this, this is the case, that the covenantal promise and that relationship with God that the one has is passed down. And you can see it by how they act the same. They are put in yep. the same situations and God treats them with the same grace mm-hmm. and, and blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of grace and blessing, due to a famine, Isaac has to go into the land of the Philistines with Abimelech, which Abraham also had to deal with. Yep. And so that... It's more like Abimelech had to deal with Abraham yes. as well. <laughs> kind of, yeah. 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 Um, when Isaac has to go in, that's in Genesis 26. Mm-hmm. He does the exact same thing that mm-hmm. Abraham does. And like nice. he passes his wife off as like, ah, she's my sister in like a preemptive way to try and yep. not get killed for his there beautiful is, wife. There is a slight difference with Isaac's is that God tells him mm-hmm. to say that. Whereas in, with Abraham, he doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. And you can read those back into one another. I'm yep. not a super big fan. I don't think. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think that's fair. Interestingly, Abimelech looks at his window or whatever, sees Isaac and Rebecca, quote unquote, laughing. Um, I think we're all mature enough to read between the lines there and guarantees his protection over them. So he's like, hey, go back with your husband. Then he goes to Isaac and, like, hey, like, what happens if one of our dudes, you know, took your took Rebecca as his wife or, you know, did whatever? What do you know? And then he turns to his kinsman and goes, hey, um. Nobody do anything. Don't hurt them. Don't hamper mm. them. Yeah. Okay. Isaac, your safety's yeah. guaranteed. These, Calm down. These, <laughs> You're safe. This family of degenerates is back haunting this city. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's interesting. In the, Mom, they're back. In the same chapter, he tries to make peace with Isaac. And they, yeah. they go through like a they go through like a festive banquet treaty thing where they make oaths. And the reason why is Abimelech sees God's blessing is clearly on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, ah, don't mess with that. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. <laughs> well, and, and if it is the same Abimelech, he's already talked to this God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And immediately after that, Esau takes Hittite, two Hittite women as wives, and it mm-hmm. disrupts the family. Yep. Another interesting note. When Isaac is running around in Philistine, in Philistia? Philistia? Yeah. Um, 
they've they've they claim all the all the wells where they fill them up as he's going around until he yep. finally finds yep. one. It's funny because the one is called um, Open Spaces, which is kind of funny. And he redigs he redigs some, um, but yeah, it's 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 he's just emulating going through those steps the same thing that Abraham right. had gone through. So we mentioned reading that story back into Abraham. What we mean by that, I just want to clarify because it kind of sounds like we're dunking on a on an idea there, is that um, the editor is taking the same story and applying it to all of the patriarchs, right? Which would then relate back to the fleeing from famine. Every time you flee from famine, there's a place to go. Um, yes, more specifically... With would the, be that Isaac is told by God, you know, tell them she's your sister. And then with you Abraham, would, it's not. You, it's not. You would read that God told, just as God told Isaac, mm-hmm. so we should know that God also told Abraham mm-hmm. that he should say that Sarah is his half-sister. Or sister. Okay. Even though she is his half-sister. Okay, but. so when we were talking about reading one back into the other, I didn't realize it was that one specific aspect. Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, although definitely like that is a, that is a parallel that is true. And mm-hmm. like your, oh, yeah. your conclusion that there is a safe place to yeah. find refuge in a famine, um, which comes up in Joseph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then the, f- the final episode, what were you going to say? Nothing. Okay. Final episode, <laughs> the covenantal the exchange of the covenantal blessing and all of that is all tied up also when Esau exchanges his birthright for thing a soup mm. yep with jacob with, with jacob no uh with uh, yes with jacob sorry yep. the, the um yes rebecca hears isaac is gonna bless esau so she goes to jacob and is like hey come on you gotta mm, you're gonna do this here's the plan cover go yourself the goat food. we'll make some soup cover yourself in fur there we go we'll trick him esau's super hairy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it does um like think so, the, the most barbaric man. There is an interesting. Um, the there is another case where deception is used for the sake of the continuation of the blessing or God's plan through Israel, and it's with the mothers in Egypt, uh, the the midwives. Mm-hmm. They're they they like kind of lie and make fun of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They're like, oh yeah, they're just they're just too good at having kids that we don't catch them in time. Mm-hmm. But they're blessed with more children after that. And so there's an interesting where they do the deception and then it's taken in the story as if it was the good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a very, there's, there's, I also, yeah. don't know what to do with it yet. There's also a similar one with, uh, I think it's Jacob. Um, the servants who, uh, who's worried about her. I can't remember exactly. Cause I haven't looked into it in a while. She deceives Jacob by, uh, coming to him in the dark, um, he sleeps with her, and then Judah. Is it Judah? Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Where it's his daughter-in-law. She has yes. his, his signet ring and his staff. Yeah, and then he's, he's like, "Oh, uh, oh, <laughs> yeah." I'm Which then he man. has to protect her from that point on. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's a. <laughs> that's a. Work. There's some Game of Thrones stuff that happens in Genesis that just never really gets specifically with Jacob's kids. Jacob yeah. is there. Yeah. Yeah. Like why? Levi and Simeon. I'm not even going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> That's some, yeah, no, Game, Game of Thrones. We'll get into that. A good, yeah. We'll get into that next time. It doesn't oh, yeah. really resurface until, like, Judges, though, you know? <laughs> so, 
the interesting thing with the blessing being distributed to either Esau or Jacob and how that relates to Isaac. Yep. Likely that whole promise that Rebecca got from God when she prayed about, hey, what's going on? There's strife within me in my, in my pregnancy, right? And the whole, the older will serve the younger. That is likely something that Jacob and Esau had heard. And that's why the whole birthright thing, when it when he comes in from hunting and he's hungry, why that's mm-hmm. a... Why that's something that's even said? Why does Jacob even say that? Is because it's probably Isaac's been clear that he's going to give it to Esau because that's the culture that they're in, mm-hmm. and he thinks he can kind of just make it happen. Yep. Despite what God had told his wife and promised about his kids. Yep. And so that's why Jake. Well, that's why Jacob brings it up mm-hmm. is because they kind of know what's going down. Furthermore. When, when Rebecca actually hears that Isaac is going to, Isaac's going to pass on this, the actual covenantal blessing, bless his kids, she overhears that he's going to do it. He also does it privately, mm-hmm. which is not common. Doesn't happen, doesn't, isn't how Moses does it, isn't how Jacob, uh, nope, Joseph does it. It's not how the vast majority of blessings are done. And so it appears as though he knows he's doing it wrong. Yes. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Can I counter sure. the idea? Of the, it was good that they deceived. Or that, yeah. Um, it appears as though that's what God used. Sure. Yeah, he doesn't initiate the deceiving. He makes a promise. They go, we, he's not going to follow God's commands. So yep. we're going to do this so that we, so that God's plans yep. are actually followed through. Fair. That's, that's how it appears Fair. to go down. There's but, also, with, with Jacob, <clears throat> Jacob is kind of, we'll get into it in the next yeah. one, but he's mm-hmm. kind can of I, in two lights yeah, throughout can the I, book. The mm-hmm. deceiver, which is his name, and then yeah. Israel, the promised. Yeah, you know. no, but this is my point, is God specifically blesses him later on in his life with his fight with the angel. Mm-hmm. Is that, in the same way, Rebecca and, they're, they're in the same way that Rebecca is rigging the moment, so that Jacob gets it, like it was supposed to be faithful to the promise, Yeah, is similar to Abraham earlier on saying, I need to lie or I need to have this child so that the promise is fulfilled. But if they had had the faith to wait, like later on, Jacob receives the blessing himself from God. Maybe you can say that. I don't think the text goes there. Because Jacob has to leave the country Yep. More than a decade mm-hmm. um, because of the problem that was given. And then when he returns on the process of returning through his mm-hmm. redemption arc, mm-hmm. he is then given the blessing by God. And then he enters and the relationship is fixed. I don't think so. But at the same time, I have not done the study on Jacob. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think there might I be agree. an interesting interplay I agree with there. Caleb. But yeah. Again, I also haven't done all the research into it. Uh, yeah. With Jacob, Jacob does seem to be very different when he goes away from the land of Canaan to when he comes mm. back. Um, oh, yeah. Like, it seems that that wrestling with the angel is somewhat of a turning point. But he's already been blessed by God when he's in the land with his uncle. We'll get into it. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. He's the great shepherd that his uncle keeps exploiting because he's so good at what he does. No, no, no. Like, like he's, yes, he's. I don't think the blessing that's that's given unto him when he wrestles with God 
is the same or even equivalent or even replacing the blessing that is bestowed on him from Isaac. Yeah? It would be yeah. two different blessings, wouldn't they? Okay. That, well, that would be the grounding of what this conversation yeah. is. Yeah. 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 So, Esau goes out to catch some game so he mm-hmm. can get his blessing. He goes out. Rebecca's like, okay, now's our time. We go get the goat, kill him, make some, make some good food, right? Um, you put on this fur on your forearms. He's going to feel it. He's an old man. He can't see. Arguably, he really likes wild game. He can't tell the difference with the soup. <laughs> so, uh, actually, Waltke kind of makes a weird little joke about it. And he's like, the person who liked wild game can't tell the difference between that and goat. But whatever. That's very funny. Um He's never prepared goat. Also, how hairy is Esau? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's presented as a very, as brutish almost. Yep. Um, it's weird. Oh, he's a great hunter, isn't he? I, I can imagine he could probably wrestle the deer to the ground. I guess so. Based on how he's Have described. you seen some people make the assertion that he was one of those oh. dog boys kind of a thing? The, what? The, have you the, seen the, those? The where people they born hair? with, uh, they, they have the recessive gene oh. from chimpanzees. So they still what? Yeah, there's a handful of people that oh, wait, are wait, no, I know this. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, and yes, they're yes. born with excessive hair growth yep. over like even over their faces, yep. except mm-hmm. for their eyes and yep. their mouth. Yeah. And it's wild. Yeah. There is a potential <laughs> that he was one of those people. <laughs> but it yeah. yeah. I mean he puts a bunch of fur on his arms and Isaac's like, Yeah, that's definitely you, Isa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, um, it appears so if if we're if we're focusing on Isaac. Yes. It would appear as though this concept that Abraham started, that yes. you don't marry the local people or the Hittites, mm-hmm. when Esau rejects it, Isaac doesn't do anything about it. Yeah, it causes strife and they don't like it, mm-hmm. but he doesn't do anything about it and he's willing to pass it on. And so, again, one of the things that I've seen a couple commentators do is they'll, they'll see the downfall of Isaac here, where he doesn't, first of all, he, does, he ignores God's promise, like God's direction through yep. uh, through Rebecca's answered prayer. He overvalues Esau because he can bring him game. Yep. And then he doesn't deal with the family tension. And he just has a favorite. Yeah. Regardless of God's promise. Um, and so, well, Isaac started off really, really strong. Arguably, silently going with, in faith, the, the binding of Isaac, the... Abraham, his father's going to sacrifice him. He ends with, you know, I'm just going to manipulate God's will. Yep. And his once once Jacob is blessed and he has to run away, the story just goes with Jacob. Yes. Doesn't care. Mm-hmm. It gives a footnote for when Isaac dies. Doesn't even footnote when Rebecca dies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing. Um, yeah, Isaac kind of, it's kind of a, it's kind of a sad story. Um it's yeah, I've heard I've heard one commentator said something to the effect of, he remains in redemptive history by the skin of his teeth, just because God's covenantal blessing is through grace. Yes, yeah, and the continuous phrasing throughout Old Testament Scripture, uh, "I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, unlike King Saul. It is interesting that Isaac your, is your God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting that Isaac is brought up more than even J- uh, Joseph. 
Yeah, um, Joseph. In terms of like, the, mm -hmm. the, he's the yeah the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Unless you count typology. Yes. Yep. Where it's like, this is an allusion to Joseph. This is an allusion to Joseph. Those are all over the place. Mm -hmm. But in explicit quotation, yeah, Isaac is mentioned more. Despite the fact that Isaac, that that more ink is spilt on Joseph than any of the patriarchs yep. in is, Genesis. Speaking on that note, though, it's also interesting that Jacob is said and not Israel. Although it kind of makes sense. Isaac, mm -hmm. uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. No, it's Jacob, the, the man he was before he was given the full blessing by God. Yeah. But, yeah. I'd but, have to look that. But Abraham has a strange name. Confusion. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just trying name. to think of a like consistent line, but it, there's none. Nope. Is it still? My oh. guess would be it's just, it's confusing to say Israel and not just think of the modern Israel that would be during that time. Yeah. Israel the nation versus or Israel the person. Man, yeah. Yeah. It's convenient. We'll get into it when we talk about Jacob. <laughs> yes, though. so. <laughs> it's hardly hardly anything in the Bible is there just because of convenience. Yeah, it's totally fine <laughs> with inconveniencing yeah. the the ancient reader and the modern reader. <laughs> yeah, y yeah. Is there any before we get into like some interesting themes and just interesting points? Is there anything that you guys wanted to point out? We went through his through his life rather systematically and chronologically, at least. I think the idea of blindness is interesting. He goes um, blind. Well, that it's not just a physical, but it's also a spiritual blindness. Like mm -hmm. you said, it's a it's a numbness to God. Blindness to taste, too, apparently. He's also deaf <laughs> because he's like, wait, you sound like Jacob. It's just the dark. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it also shows that he, he wanted to give the blessing in a private place, which is not custom because he knows he's doing it wrong. He's also waited till as old as he can get to pass it on because he also knows it's, he wants to give it to the wrong son. Yeah. So, some themes, some interesting stuff. Wait, one second. Where is the blessing from? Is that something from outside of culture, or is that specifically something that God... Because you say it's it's it mm -hmm. wouldn't be typical in that culture. Which culture? Well, it's, in the land. It's, it's more... You see it in Jacob. Not Jacob. You see it in... Actually, yeah, Jacob. Jacob and Joseph. I think the first time where it's where it's really presented publicly. Mm -hmm. Like you're yeah. the but, one who but, received my inheritance. Yeah. However, from the in the biblical text, in the larger biblical like in the in the biblical world, it would be done publicly. Mm -hmm. That way so everyone is clear that that guy is the one who is in his main inheritor. Yeah. And almost always it was the oldest, right? Yeah. Except for the a couple of times where that's not the case mm -hmm. when Joseph switches his sons Jacob, Jacob, Jacob switches his Jacob crosses his hands. Yeah, because he's just like, nah, the younger shall, the older shall serve the younger. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then Joseph does the same thing, and then really Moses and Aaron. What? Well, also, yes, yeah. it's his main wife, but Ishmael's older. Mm -hmm. However, but he's not, he's the disgraced. Son, in, so. No, no, no. I understand that, and that the, is the case. Uh, Joel has a whole point on this. Yeah, there are. Um, legal documents as much as you can call them that on clay tablets and such in the region that uh, Abraham would have occupied that refer to a law um, which when a son when an heir is born of a slave and then a proper heir is conceived it reverts back to the other one being technically and, the firstborn and we mentioned that in the last episode we did that's where I heard it okay I heard it yeah, on this podcast was, dude, that's how it. educational this podcast is I learn things from it <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah. It's funny that you're telling me because I was the one that told you. That's awesome. Yeah. Isn't it? Um, I looked directly at Josh while I was doing that whole spiel. That's awesome. Oh, man. Um, it's just embarrassing. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's another switching of the oldest and the youngest. Yeah. So yeah. legally, it would go to Isaac because they finally had a kid. Yeah. But age wise, it's still the youngest. Mm-hmm. Sure. And then the youngest, and then the youngest. Well, when Abraham gives his inheritance to Isaac, he had other kids, but he sent them away. Mm. Um, so he wouldn't be the youngest. Yeah, uh, youngest, younger. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, it's just that in yeah. combination with the barren wives, it is, I think it shows that God's plan is culturally subversive in that time. Yes. Mm. It's like, no, he has his purpose. Yep. These are... By their barrenness, and when when they do conceive by God's divine will, that you know it's God's action, not just some yep. fluke of nature or right. whatever. Um, and that by the passing on to the youngest is it's is it's culturally subversive, and extremely, uh, let's say, div- in divine providence, clear that this is yep. His plan. He's in control. Yep, and you can't thwart it. Yeah, or manipulate it. Yeah. I mean, that's a lesson Jacob learns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting theme now. Interesting points. Points and themes. Mm-hmm. Previously mentioned, the editor slash author of Genesis doesn't care about Isaac. Very little time given. The general breaks in Genesis are interrupted as the generations of, the generations yep. of, the generations of, and that those are like the thematic breaks and like basically the general episodes or seasons even, if you will, of the entire book. Yes. Jacob doesn't get any of this. <laughs> they even go into like some minor characters. Like think about it. Ishmael even gets his. Yes. Not Isaac. Isaac, Isaac yeah. doesn't get one. Um, most commentators write like several whole pages on it, but that's the gist of it. <laughs> If you really want to know exactly how that breaks down and how that would lay out Genesis, pick up just your average commentary yeah. on Genesis. They'll they'll go over it. It's fascinating. Yep. Point being, Isaac is not of a significant enough character to break his structure. Yeah. Doesn't really care. Yeah. I don't think it's not care. Okay. Can you give me a different word then? I think for the sake of the structure, for the sake of the truth presented he used exactly what he needed you don't think that there's a little bit of a backhanded oh it's very negative towards him yeah most of the time i, I, I read a little that, more blessings that are yeah. given to him i read a little more ethereal or editorial backhandedness in the mm-hmm. lack of a general of a generation thing given because even minor characters are given generation like breaks yes no, I, I, I think it's for the purpose of the, 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 the typologies, the patterns, the movements. How, how would, how would, how would, a, how would a generation break mess up any of that? The, of course, we don't know what, what it didn't could happen, have been right. Could have been written. Could have been written. Sure. Um, but in the same way that, um, for the sake of the difference between Manasseh's stories in Kings and Chronicles, the theological purpose. They, they pick which parts of Manasseh's story to use. But it's not because they one hates him and one likes him. But it's for the theological purpose and the pattern given across the book. Well, what would be the theological I mean, reason? The theological to make him purpose would be Isaac's 
did not live up didn't to live up to the standard that would be the theological purpose of why he's not given his own which would make sense with his death mm -hmm. what's the alternative theological purpose that you see in not giving him uh you see the parallels between abraham and him mm -hmm. um, but, you, but you get that you get that with jacob and abraham even though this segment breaks yes you get also, this is a fairly technical argument, so yeah. I, 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 none I just, of us. Have, I just think I'm just the only one with paper in front of me, so fair enough. <laughs> carelessness or animosity is reading into it. I don't think so. Okay. We can disagree. Yes. Can we agree to disagree? Shake Let's just shake hands on that. <laughs> For our audio listeners, they just shook hands. Really? Uh, yeah. Colton and I also just shook hands. That's you we lied though. You yeah. lied live. Now you're shaking hands, but you lied. Was that process? wasn't live? Did you though. lie live? Live life. Oh, this is good recorded. You know, no one's listening right now, right? <laughs> You're. Li I'm listening. Oh, you got me on a technicality. <laughs> I think to to wrap up that Isaac point, though, um, mm -hmm. there is an, a very strange for the patriarchs little time spent for Isaac, and mm -hmm. most of the time is either spent talking about uh, Abraham or Jacob, mm -hmm. in or Joseph, life. or Joseph in yeah. his life. Yeah. Another cool point, and this is what I got. This will this book will eventually be on the book review section. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's taking me a while to read it. I mean, what do you want from me? I'm in school. So, yep, super cool book. Uh, James M. Hamilton Jr. Um, book called writes it book called Typology, and he's just going over several typological themes throughout biblical throughout the Bible. One of which is the suffering servant. Mm -hmm. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Suffering servant gets the vast majority of its like proper articulation in Isaiah. I think Isaiah fifty four or five chapters, fifty two to fifty three. I think it's actually bigger than that. Um, he makes the argument that the concept of a willfully submissive and quiet, even unto the point of death, sacrifice. He gets his uh, his references and his articulation right from Isaac. There's a couple points to actually that actually point that way. The statement uh, "here, here I am" that would be the English, or in Hebrew is "hen, hen, nei, nei, Yep, occurs three times in Genesis 22, all of which are on the lips of Abraham. That's 21, one, uh, 22, 1, 7, and 11. Immediately prior to the verses of 52. Uh, 53, uh, chapter 52 to 53 in Isaiah, those are reiterated several times by God, in which God the Father is presented as offering up his righteous servant, who appears to be the future king of the Davidic line, and thereby God's son, by that whole... We don't have time to totally get into that. There was a mm -hmm. father-son relationship between the Israelite king and God. Mm-hmm. At some point we can get into that because that's a fascinating thing. We could just get into that. You get into that when you go into messianic um, prophecies of Christ, especially in the Psalms. Mm -hmm. it, a lot in the Psalms, but also, also just elsewhere as well. It's uh, fair enough. Yeah, it's again typology gets into it. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, he uses the words of Abraham, not just the "here I am" phrase, are said by are said by God's lips in those servant passages several times. Additionally, the rejoicing of Sarah at the birth of Isaac immediately follows the passage of, now of course this is him drawing a parallel, um, immediately follows the passage in Isaiah 51, quote, sing, O barren, barren one who did not bear, break forth in, 
into singing and cry aloud, you who have been who have not been in labor, confirming the allusion to the stories of Isaac in the rejoicing of the barren mother who gives birth in Isaiah fifty four one. Um, there's also the there's a whole obviously Isaac was born of a barren woman, um, yeah, and then they use the same same phraseology for the and uh, your offspring and seed offspring or seed shall inherit the earth that's reiterated several times mm-hmm. in the same parts i'd i'd encourage you to go check it out that's, re- that's fascinating. isn't it hypologies it, it just means mm-hmm. that when jesus is going carrying his cross with that suffering servant mm-hmm. that that accepting god's going to make a way out of this i have faith in his plan all that res- uh the book that josh was talking about yeah it all is least built on how Isaac is presented he's like the the archetypal quote-unquote mm-hmm. how one goes to okay this is God's plan I have faith that he's going to make this work because he's gonna hold to his promises that Abraham knows and Isaac knows that Isaac is the covenantal child of promise right. so if that's what God's promise is and if this is what he's asking go for silently it'll go to the to being sacrificed Mm-hmm. by his father or it's whatever. just it's just yeah. cool it's just some cool mm-hmm. stuff yeah um yeah unless you guys got some other stuff i think that's it for isaac hmm. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of good questions to ask i think it's interesting if you look at this um you know gideon in judges yep. um that when he is old he departs from the lord and leads his family astray yeah I think that we see a near miss in Isaac's life when he was used in such a powerful way to be a, to um, typify Christ, to be in some way a Christophany, <laughs> not quite a Christophany, sure. um, but uh, to be representative of um, Christ's sacrifice in the future. Um, or in the Genesis sense, he fails to be an imager of God. He fails to be an imager of God. Okay, that makes sense. Um there's some interesting parallels you can make out of that. Yeah, yes. I, I think that seeing Isaac's life as um, kind of the failed son of a great man as well, mm-hmm. um, and then drawing lines between David and Solomon, that while Solomon was used in his younger days, again, fell away from the Lord in his older years. Sure. Um, I don't know. If it's, it's, it may not be I mean, intended, but nevertheless, it's, it's a pattern. Intended, but yeah, it's interesting. Josh brings this up every once in a while when we talk about even historical figures that there are great men led by weak men. Or sorry, um sorry, great men rarely have succeeded great by yeah, mm-hmm. by weak sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but if that's if that's all for Isaac, we have we're bringing back a segment for this episode. Whoa. For this episode we're bringing Because Isaac is so short, we have to supplement for time. <laughs> You're right. It's, Josh is right. But I'm super excited about this segment. How, yeah. how long? It's been like eight or more. No, it's been longer than that longer since we did that. it. Yeah, we got really good at taking too long. So uh, <laughs> we kind of cut out our old segments. Um, if you've been a longtime listener, you might, might remember such hits as Sacrificing the Golden Cow or Holy Cow. It's so long, but. I forgot about it. Um, <laughs> we used to have all these little bits we would do. Uh, the loss get profound. You remember oh, that's that? A good one. Yeah. Man, I, I forgot about that. I got right told. Around. I got told that we should bring that one back. Really? Just Never like floats when the loss get yep. profound. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was fun. 
Should have done that one. Anyways, that's not what we did this week. I'm excited about this we one. We did nevertheless. Augustine versus Osteen. And I like this one because it gets a little bit of interaction from you guys where you have Osteen. to guess, based off of what I read, was it first quoted by St. Augustine or Joel Osteen of some mega church down in the yeah. States? Honestly, I haven't even looked into that. Um, Value Village's best-selling author, Joel Osteen. <laughs> no, and, and this... What I love about this, before we get into it, is yeah. how, as a prosperity gospel preacher, as mm. what we would often refer to as potentially a wolf in sheep's clothing, not a not a good guy, he's representing Christ badly, taking the church and then not doing it properly, that we make fun of people who fall to that, to this, to, to the things he says and the things he teaches. But as we've presented, like demonstrated, mm-hmm. we fail to see which is the the line given by an actual saint and which is one given by a heretic. Yeah, can I play the game? Yeah. No, no, no. But I think it's, it's we, we often make fun of people for like, oh, you didn't know? It's just like, yeah. we make that mistake sometimes. Well, we're going to see if we get if we get yeah. them all wrong. I'm, I'm going to, much like the last one, I'm going to get them all wrong. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. Joel, okay. hit us up. We're going to go with the first one. The words written here are concepts. You must go through experiences. Austin, right? Very fake, but it's Austin. Augustine. Austin. Like, here's okay. Okay. So who says Augustine? Augustine. The L is silent. It's Colton. I, I do as in Colton, yeah. And the other two, Austin? Yeah. Austin, yeah. That is Augustine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, as I just said. Yeah. As I no, just he didn't say anything important there, he was just was like, "This is this, and this is well, here's this." The thing. Okay. What we say are just concepts. Shut up. We need to learn through Shut experiences. Very, you don't even know how to live your very, best life now. <laughs> we've all been. <laughs> it's still uh, a no. joke. It's it's so it's, good. it's so good. I've used it every day until I die. <laughs> oh, is it a coincidence that you share the same first name? And no coincidence. I'm named directly after. Joel Osteen himself, and also St. Augustine, who is also first name Joel. That's a lie, too. Discernment. <laughs> what? Thanks for telling us. The confession of evil works is the first beginning of good works. The first beginning feels redundant, doesn't it? <laughs> but yeah, that's what it says. That might be a translation error. I'm going to say Augustine. It sounds too good. See, last time he did a weird like 180 thing with the experience mumbo jumbo phraseology. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Colton's just going to choose the whatever I don't. Of course I think. not. No. I, really I picked know. Augustine. So I'm going to go with Augustine. I'm going with Augustine too. You guys are all right. That yeah. gives oh. our, our scoreboard right now is looking like Colton two, Josh one, and Caleb one. We want, dude. Yeah. <laughs> just they just, the high five. Yeah, they did not high five very well. Colton and I just did a crisp high five. It was so good. It was Again, silent. You're lying. Okay. Why? So sound very, could could okay. For this next one, when negative thoughts come, let them die stillborn. Refuse to prophesy defeat. I'm gonna go with. That's Olsen. a tough one. It's the use of prophesy. Mm. It's a very. I, I, that sounds modern. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Austin, but I okay. know I'm going to be it's, wrong. I think it's Austin. I'm going to go with Augustine. Okay. Um, that makes Colton and Josh right. Thank it you. is, in fact, Austin. <sighs> this is the first time I've gotten all three right. There's four. There's four. <laughs> There's yeah, so three, two, one. This yes. one's for all the marbles. 
If you get this one right, that's not fair. If you get this one right, you be calling. What? Yeah. If you get this one right, everyone but Colton wins. Jokes. It's not. It's not. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's probably gonna happen too. To fall in love with God is the greatest romance. To seek Him is the greatest adventure. To find Him is the greatest human achievement. Augustine. Augustine. Austin. Everybody but Colton wins. Dang it. Yes. <laughs> I feel like uh, I've read that. Is that from Confessions? Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's the like biggest one. Yeah, that's, and in that's his, uh, the only one. That has to be in this discussion read. about like, your punch. loves are in the wrong order, mm. right? I'm sorry. What's that, Josh? That has to be in the your loves are in the wrong order. I think so. Argument. I think so. That he's having. Yes. Hasving. 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 Um, Colton, you are the winner. I'm sorry. I robbed that victory from you. We tied. No, no, no. No, you didn't tie. Yes, you got four. Oh, you got it wrong. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, this one's tied Colton and Josh and uh, Caleb. You Caleb's get the moral what that, means. that give... confirms we're smarter. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say, I got the last quote because I read the book, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, which, if you, if you just even quote. Anyways, I better have got it right. <laughs> if you got the quote right from reading Osteen's book, would you be as proud as you are right now? I have it right here if you want it. Thanks. Thanks. How do we all do. have a copy How do you of have a this? Joel Osteen book? Uh, Stuart bought it for me. Okay. It's <laughs> Thanks, Stuart. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, why would you It's your life best spend life money now. on that? Seven steps your to your full now. potential. There's a Joel really Osteen. funny Babylon Bee um, article that says uh, they found Judas' tomb, and inside of it was a copy of Live Your Best <laughs> oh Life gosh. Now. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. I just saw a clip from the Babylon Bee podcast. No, never mind. <laughs> Um, we're just going to piggyback off of their content. Do yeah. we, are we doing another, uh, quote? I think that's no. it. That's no, it. That's all this is, um, yeah. who's doing, who's doing Jacob next week? Colton. Oh, I am. Colton. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Yeah, me too. Joel, can you close us out? Yeah. Um, thanks so much for uh, listening this far into the podcast. We appreciate your, uh, your sainthood, uh, joining us on these conversations. Second I would rate. hope that are these second rate conversations, uh, remember to check us out on all of our social medias on our on our website, secondratesaints.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us at secondratesaints at gmail.com. Uh, we love fan emails and we love comments on our videos. So uh, if you've gotten to the end of this thing and still feel like there's more conversation to be had, make sure you put it down in the comments. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, let's, let's just end it. Ha <laughs> ha!